Welcome to Set the Tone, the BTL podcast. This program explores fact and fiction in health and fitness so that you and your patients can achieve your healthiest look. The podcast is made possible with support from BTL. Aesthetic practices today have access to more tools than ever for shaping the body in a non-invasive manner. And the technology can do a lot. But for the most impressive outcomes, patients need to take an active role in their success. Join us as Dr. Paul Frank talks to registered dietitian Joanne Cristaldi about diet and weight loss. After their conversation, marketing experts and physician peers will share tips to help your practice succeed with body contouring technologies. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Dr. Paul Frank, a cosmetic dermatologist here in New York. I'm the founder of P. Frank MD and Skin Salons, and I, I wear a lot of hats, but I have to say I'm excited to do this podcast because I love body treatments. Uh, we have a whole world now of emerging technologies and things to do to help people um, with their body. And, you know, one of the main things that I've always found is that you got to do the inside work first. You can't just go to a doctor like me and expect to look skinny and look buff and have tight skin. And that's why I'm really excited to have here today Dr. Joanne Cristaldi. Um, She's a registered dietitian and has a PhD in health promotion and behavior from University of Georgia. Currently, she's an associate professor of nutrition at Westchester University in Pennsylvania, and she's going to talk to us about some diet and nutrition myths and arm us with some facts for ourselves and our patients. So welcome, Joanne. Nice to have you. Thank you, Dr. Frank. It's my pleasure. And, you know, I think we got to start out with the basics for people because there's so much information out there. You know, I think in general, people are always thinking like calories in, calories out. If you want to lose weight, eat fewer calories. But I think, and you'll tell me with emerging information, that it's not so simple. It's, it is and it isn't. So it is as simple as the calories in, calories out. But the complicated part to this is determining each individual's level of calories that they need to take in. Right. Calories are not calories are not calories, right? It's different for all types of foods and everyone, right? Well, yes and no, but it's more so about your body composition. Okay. So your body composition, in particular, your lean body mass affects your metabolic rate. So the leaner you are, the more you burn 24-7. Right. And some of us just ha- naturally have more lean mass. Men tend to have more lean mass. Younger people tend to have more lean mass. And obviously, right. people who work out tend to have more lean mass. So those individuals can typically take in more calories than individuals who maybe have a bit more um, fat on their bodies. Right. Do people, like I know a lot of people, they think like they want to do high intensity aerobics because obviously it burns more calories. But from what you're saying, building muscle mass and inner and strength with things that may not burn as much calories may be better off for your metabolism in the long run. Is that true? I think it's equally as important. Equally. That's what I would think. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, it's funny because people come to me for, you know, fat rid invasive, non-invasive fat reduction, people are always coming to me trying to help change their body shape. And contrary to what they would think, I always tell people you have to do the hard work first. Right. You know, you have to you have to lose weight, you have to take care of yourself, get experts like you to help them out. Um, and, you know, it's really when someone hits that wall that I'm kind of the icing on the cake with them with whatever type of device I use. Now, I assume you see a lot of people that hit that wall when it sure. comes to losing weight. Tell me a little bit about that. I would say for the most part, it's women and women as they age are probably the population of people that I see them with the 
with that issue the most often. And I would say that that's also in direct connection to what I just talked about is that we're less active and eat. And if you're not changing your diet, you're gradually going to gain weight over time. Yeah. And some people's body shapes, of course, they they do just change with age. Not you agree. Not everyone could uh, look like Paris Hilton, no matter how right. hard they tried. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people come in all shapes and sizes, and I right. think people have to realize that that's normal. They have to have realistic expectations, for better or worse. Sometimes that's why they may go to a cosmetic dermatologist or do non-invasive body sculpting. But right. I, you know, like I said, I think. Coming from your level of expertise, I think that's really the important step. But there's there's a lot of information out there uh, from different types of diets and fads, and you know, tell tell me a little bit about what you see in in the marketplace, and you know, how how, how, how does someone navigate all the things they're reading out about about dieting? I think that's a big challenge for people because a lot of the nutrition information that's out there is oftentimes not validated or scientific. It's anecdotal kinds of stuff. And so it's probably not going to work. My thing is, if it sounds too good to be true, it typically is. So unfortunately, it's it's about, like you said, putting the hard work in to get to where you want to be. It's like that in cosmetic dermatology too. There are no magic wands. Right. Everything has cost benefit ratio. But you know, people are hit with so much information out there and everything looks like magic on Instagram, right? Do you have patients, I'm sure you do, that have tried uh, cosmetic surgery um, prematurely or people that you think that they've re- reached a certain point and maybe that's the right step for them to jump into them? I'm sure you've tried, you see a lot of people who have tried shortcuts, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. In the in the nutrition world, that tends to, we tend to see that a lot. Absolutely. You know, it's very funny. I actually, a large portion of my referral sources comes from experts in the field of nutrition and in fitness. And I think it's a testament a lot is because I really don't treat people until I really feel like they're a good candidate. Because after 20 years of doing this, it really doesn't suit me to try and convince people that they're going to lose weight from liposuction or or vanquish or something like that. But, you know, these things, they do have a role. And I think it's really about making sure you you choose the right candidate for these things. Unfortunately, you probably see a lot of a lot of all extremes. Yeah. And I would say the same thing that you just said. It's often people will come to me and ask me my advice, but then we'll either make excuses or don't want to put in the work. And so it becomes, you know, individuals that you can't really help. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, it's very common. I'll see people, I have patients that they've, you know, maybe lost 20, 30, literally up to 40, 50 pounds. And they get to this point where it's like, doc, if I lose any more weight, I'm going to look emaciated. I just can't get rid of this hip area or this inner thigh bulge. And it's just funny how we don't, we don't lose weight symmetrically as we get older. That to me is like that perfect patient for like non-invasive fat removal. Yeah. Agreed. You are listening to Set the Tone, the BTL podcast, brought to you by the makers of MSculpt. Build muscle and sculpt your body with MSculpt. For more information, visit MSculpt.com. Tell me a little bit about your, your, your perception of like 
detoxes and cleanses. I mean, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on this, and I'm sure you see so much of this out there. Everyone's trying to detoxify you. Now, you're a doctor, okay? You're, you're a highly educated person. Tell me a little bit of your, about your perspective. Well, I would say um, that Don't stuff, be shy. <laughs> that stuff typically, that stuff does not work. Not typically, it does not work. Um, we are built with a liver, and that's the liver's job is to filter our blood and to cleanse our body of chemicals. And in the liver also metabolizes our medications and our drugs. So anything I am silently that, clapping. Yeah. I'm clapping for you right now. Yes. So you don't need anything in addition to that. It's already happening within your body. Yeah. A million years of evolution has made our kidneys and our livers. And although we are not a perfect organism, um, something you're watching on late night TV or Instagram is probably not going to do better than that. I actually, and this is what I want to ask you about next, because this is like a very hot topic of not only what we're eating, but how we're eating, like what time of day. I know a big thing right now is intermittent fasting, fast mimicking. I'll give you my disclosure. I do fast mimicking three times a year. It works for me. Okay. I'm curious about what your thoughts are about when we eat rather than how what we eat. Um. Well, I tend to side on the calories in calories out idea and okay. that it doesn't really matter. If you go based on that theory, it shouldn't matter what time of day, but I do think there's something interesting with this type of research and this, and this phenomenon. I, most of the research that's out there on intermittent fasting is animal-based studies. So um, figuring out whether we can translate this into humans, we're still trying to figure that out. But I think Absolutely. if like any diet, and I think there are some that I wouldn't recommend, but there's diets that are out there that I would. Um, if you find that this works for you and you can keep up with it, I would say go for it. Well, it's almost for a lot of these people that are doing intermittent fasting. It's actually like a lifestyle. They just try and eat their meals within an eight or 10 sure. hour yeah. period. I mean, I, you know, I'm 50 years old. Eating at 10 o'clock at night is just not, it's plain not good for me. I don't right. know if it's putting on weight, but like I don't feel good the next day. Um, I'm actually, I'm really interested in a lot of the, the research about the fast mimicking because to me, all cultures and religions have some sort of fasting in their body. And there is a lot of data um, about what happens when, when you actually, you know, avoid things for a while and allows your body to go into some repair mode. Do you have any thoughts on, on that type of thing on other like fast mimicking? Um, it's not something that I've investigated all that much. Um, yeah. Can you explain how that differs from the intermittent fasting? So fast mimicking is something, um, there's some research out of uh, UCLA Medical School. The, they have a program there called the Longevity Center. There's a Dr. Longo there. And he's done a lot of research on how the body, when starved, um, it goes into like a cellular repair mode. So for like five days, you would severely calorie restrict, like down to 600 calories. And during that five-day period, if you do this program, it, people who have history of chronic diseases, inflammatory diseases like arthritis or even things like high cholesterol, that, um, that they could actually, their body has some sort of anti-inflammatory reparative function. And for normal healthy people like me who maybe do this two or three times a year, it just kind of resets the body. And I think what's interesting for, for someone with your background is what it really does for cravings. You know, I think... Uh, sugar begets wanting more sugar. Alcohol begets wanting more alcohol, right? The more we do it, the more we want it. When yeah. I intermittent, 
uh, when I do this fast mimicking, all of a sudden I come out of the five days and like a little bit of sugar tastes so sweet. Uh, a half a glass of wine is so much more than enough. So to me, I don't need to lose weight. I'm fit guy, I exercise six days a week, but I like what it does to just like change the way I eat. You know, I think you would agree that, you know, the word diet is really not a working vernacular. Right. It's more of a lifestyle that people have to create and everyone's different. They have to find out what works for them. And now you also, I'm sure you have so many types of people who may, they may have certain um, lifestyle choices. Like they want to be vegetarian. They want to be vegan. They may not be doing this for, for weight loss. They're doing it because of lifestyle decisions other than their thoughts about their nutrition, right? H how do you deal with patients with that? Do you, do you cater things specifically for them? I can if that's what they want to do. Um, I think vegetarian is an easy diet to follow. If you want to be as strict as a vegan, you just have to be a bit more careful to make sure since you're eliminating a lot of different foods and food groups that you're being careful to make sure you're getting balance. Yeah. It's funny. A lot of times I'll see women that come in that are young and they complain of hair loss or hair brittleness. I'll pick up their hands. I'll look at their fingernails and then I'll say, how long have you been a vegan for? Mm, yes. And you could just tell... You know, n not that you can't be vegan and get appropriate sources of protein. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people don't know, and they just kind of wing it without professional help, right. and they're really not getting the balance that they want. The last question I have are things to talk about, because I'm sure a lot of people that come into you, they're also avid about exercise as well. I mean, we probably both have high-maintenance type people, people that want to be the best version of themselves. And I think... You know, I've always found exercise alone doesn't help you lose weight. In fact, when I exercise a lot, I'm starving. I yeah. actually eat more. I'm Agreed. like, I'm not, I'm not like fit fatty. You right. know what I mean? I do a soul cycle class. I put like 5,000 calories in my body afterwards. <laughs> I have to actually eat before I exercise. Otherwise, I, I overdo it. So how do you help people balance nutrition versus exercise? Because exercising does increase your needs. Right? Yes. Yeah, I guess it would depend on the individual person's needs. So if they were looking at it from a weight loss perspective, then it's making sure that they can maintain that calorie deficit without overdoing it after the exercise. If you're just looking to get leaner and or maintain your weight, then that's a bit easier with keeping the calories um, within that, that range that they require. But I would say it's still all about eating healthy, eating balanced, watching your portion sizes, but then following the physical activity guidelines that we have set for adults with the combination aerobic and anaerobic. Are you one of those, are you one of these people that are like, you know, stop drinking if you're trying to lose weight? Do you help portion these things? Yeah, I think I would classify this like other things. I see people who, whether it's alcohol, whether it's a certain type of food, like let's say ice cream, if you need to know yourself, if you know you can handle a little bit, then have the little bit. If you can't, then you probably need to stay away from it if you can't control yourself. Yeah. No, moderation. Right. I always, I, I always tell people, because again, I'm dealing with a lot of people who are struggling to be make their bodies the best. And I always tell people, you know, it's not, it's not, treat, it's not cheating. It's treating. Sure. And if you yeah. have a good and healthy lifestyle, it's okay to do these things because- if you if you if you stay away from things too much, you, there's more of a tendency to go in the other direction. Did I miss any epiphanies or anything you wanted to kind of give the audience advice about? I would also say that one other thing that I would maybe bring up was this idea that people often will complain of 
bloating and belly fat. Oh, yes. And tell me about that. This is an issue because this type of fat, when we're accumulating it that way versus just the subcutaneous fat that we have under our skin, it's putting us more at risk for chronic diseases like heart disease and diabetes. It's like the visceral fat we call that around the organs and stuff. Right. And so women tend to find that this is more of an issue because one theory behind this is lowered estrogen can exacerbate this issue for people. So, but there too, it just goes back to if this is something that is a problem for you, then you need to follow what I would say are the general healthy guidelines for diet and exercise and um, reducing your saturated fat and added sugars. So it's not something that we could, you know, take some type of cleanse or pill to fix. Yeah. Well, it's a good point you make because actually I've got so many different tools from Vanquish to uh, for, that are non-invasive. I do liposuction, but you can't get the type of fat you're talking about. Uh, well, I think that wraps it up for us. Joanne, is there is there a place that people could reach you if they want to find out more information from you? Yeah, they can. Um, I am on the Westchester University of Pennsylvania website in the nutrition department. And um, my email address is jcristaldi at wcupa.edu. All right. You you just told the whole world how to get in touch I with know, you personally. Just, That's my great. email's going to blow up now. <laughs> I'm, <text, laughs> I'm going to DM you right now. Well, <laughs> I'm at Dr. Paul Jared Frank. You guys could all reach me on social media and you could reach, find out more information about body treatments at uh, bodybybtl.com. And thank you for coming so much, Joanne. I hope everyone listens to episode three. Thank you very much. You are listening to Set the Tone, the BTL podcast, brought to you by the makers of MSculpt. Build muscle and sculpt your body with MSculpt. For more information, visit MSculpt.com. When it comes to diet and exercise, key to success may be to have a strategy that makes sense for the individual. The same may be true of a practice aiming for success in the field of body contouring. Dr. Leslie Clark Lozer of Precision Skin Institute in Davie, Florida, outlines the strategy she put in place to help assure being successful with a technology like MSculpt, the idea of having a strategy before we actually rolled out the new technology to the patients was key. So really bringing a device into your office and knowing kind of laying out the ways that you're going to present it to your patients before actually doing it is going to be helpful. So just a few key things that we did that I think lent to our success was, number one, we invested in photography that we knew was going to be crucial to really measuring our success and being able to demonstrate or show it to the patients as we treated them. So we brought that in ahead of time and practiced and really designated a point person, which I think is the second thing that's really important. Obviously, you want to cross-train as much staff as possible, but have one person ultimately responsible for communicating with those patients that you are going to be treating, um, taking the photography so there is some really true consistency um, before you start. So we had the point person, the photography, and then we also thought ahead, how can we make sure that we get these patients after, say, we've treated them for the recommended four treatments over two weeks, 
but we want to see them back, not just let them out and have them potentially not be happy. So what we did was at the one month after their fourth treatment, we scheduled them when they left after that last treatment for a follow-up treatment that was going to be on us essentially at no additional cost for the patient. And that was a way to get them back into the office so that we could take those follow-up photos. And it also kind of engenders goodwill on the patient's um, on the patient side and encourages them even to maybe start a process or a program of maintenance. Practice marketing expert Wendy Lewis, founder and president of Wendy Lewis & Company since 1997 and author of Aesthetic Clinic Marketing in the Digital Age, also believes in having a solid strategy. Once your patients see good outcomes from your practice, you can rely on them to help drive new patients through your door. Here's her take. I want to share some marketing tips to help you grow your body contouring practice. Body shaping, fat reduction, body toning and contouring are the hottest category of aesthetic treatments right now. Take advantage of the buzz and the celebrity factor to promote your BTL aesthetics technologies. Many practices that are serious about body shaping may bring on multiple devices that can be utilized in different ways and work together synergistically to establish a body shaping center over time. There are four categories of treatments to consider. Circumferential fat reduction, muscle toning, cellulite reduction, and skin tightening. Most patients you see may be candidates for at least two of these categories, fat reduction and muscle toning primarily. 90% of women have cellulite they would like to get rid of, and a vast majority of patients over 40 or after weight loss also desire tighter skin. These procedures have high success rates and case studies of happy patients of all ages. We all know that happy patients tend to leave five-star reviews, stay in your practice for the long term, and also refer their friends and family. For 2020, building a body shaping center in your practice can allow you to capitalize on these new advancements while offering your patients the procedures and outcomes they are seeking. That's all for now. Can your practice become a five-star body shaping center? There's no reason it can't. And we hope that Set the Tone, the BTL podcast, will help you advance. Keep an ear out for more episodes of the series coming soon, available via modernaesthetics.com or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening.